Wow, 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 wow. It is good to be in the house of God, amen? amen? If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek. Everybody calls me PD. Everybody say, what's up, PD? What's up, PD? <laughs> you guys did good. That's awesome. Wow, packed house. Come on. Everybody wanted to get to church on a rainy day. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you welcome our online campus and our Framingham family? Come on, let's give them a big hand. What's up, peeps? We're so glad that you are visiting us and uh, connecting with us today. It's an honor to have you uh, witnessing our service today. I'm so proud of uh, all the leaders that are running our online campus, increasing engagement within our community and uh, helping us serve so many outside of these four walls. And apparently, we're going to need to do that. <laughs> uh, turn to your neighbor and say, this is going to be a great service. Come on. <laughs> turn to your second choice and say, we in church. Come on, you need some church. Turn to your second choice. We need some church. You need some church. Yeah. Hey, I love our church. Um, one of the things I love about it is all the action uh, in activity, and I, I just think, like, there's always something going on, and it's so beyond me. Like, I don't, I don't sometimes, I'll drive by the church sometimes, and I don't even know what's happening at the church. You know, everybody's like, you must know. I'm like, I'm just a senior pastor, but I don't know what's going on a lot of times because there's just so many things. It's got so much life in it. Uh, yesterday, we had our turkey outreach. Come on, somebody, for the turkey outreach. Yeah. We gave 850 turkeys to the community. That's just incredible. Uh, just amazing. Uh, we had our shoebox drive. Uh, I think there was like 425 shoeboxes sent out to children around the globe. That's incredible. And then, yeah, come on, let's give it up for that, all the shoebox drive. Um, and then we also have, uh, you know, kind of our, our um, Christmas tree, which is down in the lobby right now. Actually, actually we have a Christmas tree in four locations where uh, we have kind of tags on them where we're serving... Um, we have 900 tags to support families within this church. And so one of the things that um, I think is amazing is to help the community. But you know what? If we don't take care of our own, come on, somebody. You know, turn to your neighbor and say, you my own. You my own. Okay, you my people. You my people. I'm here to take care of you. All right? The Bible says to do good, especially to the family of believers. And so I don't even know how it's done, but we kind of figure out the needs that are out there. And uh, there's 900 gift opportunities to help people in the church in need throughout our church. And so you're in one of the services, you're in one of the services online, and, and, uh, but there are four services that take place, um, you know, plus our online service. So uh, it's amazing to see, like, how many people, whatever that reach is. I don't like to throw numbers around, but it's a lot of people. And it's amazing to see how we're going to serve all these people. And I think it's cool that, you know, during this season we get a chance not to get but to give. Amen. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so um, a sign, whether this is your church or not, a sign of a healthy church is, is it a generous church? One of our core values is that we, we live to give. We love to give. And so um, we believe in being generous. And, and we've actually been talking about that for uh, the last couple of weeks because we're in our series entitled Legacy. And legacy, what that really is, is how to see your life live on. You know, how to see it uh, go beyond. Now, there's a lot of noble things that you can do out there um, in, in our society today. There's a lot of philanthropic kind of efforts or um, things that you can be connected to, and there's social justice. I'm, I'm definitely for that. But I just want to say in terms of, like, what's a priority, it's like social justice here but eternal justice here. 
And so what's so great about things, hold on, one, second, one thing you can invest in, if you invest, you invest in those things, good for you, good job. I think you should be generous. You should give to other things. But I want to encourage you that the highest priority, the thing that actually lives on beyond you is something that's eternal. And the church of Jesus Christ is the only entity or organization that's doing something that has eternal rewards. Amen. Amen? So we want to give to things like that. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Amen. So, so if you're new to Connect, first time experience, first of all, again, welcome. You, you've been blessed already. Uh, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to, you know, snap, crackle, pop something for you right now. We're going to be talking about resources. We're going to be talking about money. If this is your first time here, you're like, oh, brother. Uh, and, and I get it. I just want to say I get it. And I apologize for the abuses of uh, people, you know, uh, like me that put people under pressure and trying to get money from people and push things on people, agendas and things like that. And, you know, that's not what's happening. Um, we, uh, we, we talk about resources about one time a year. We have like a, a series about it. And really, we talk about it because the Bible talks about it a lot. Uh, there's 2,350 promises related to resources in the Bible. 16 out of 23 parables relate to resources. So Jesus talked about it a lot. The Bible talks about it a lot. And interestingly enough, either the church talks about it too much or not at all. And in the too much category, it's just pressure, 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 because they're under pressure. In the too little, it's afraid, 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 because I don't want you to think I want something from you, so I'm not going to talk about it. But then I don't have anything to give to anybody or help anybody because I didn't talk about it. You get what I'm saying right now? So we're going to talk about it, and we kind of found the plumb line right here. We're in the middle, and uh, we're just going to go there a little bit. But what I thought might help you is to know a little bit of the backstage side of things, just a little bit. If you wanted to dig deeper, you could ask any of our leadership about this. But I thought I'd tell you a little bit about how we do money around here, how we handle money. This is sort of like, this is sort of like teaching and announcements, you know, mixed a little bit right here. But I thought I'd, I'd let you know how we lead the church financially. First off, I've been the pastor for 18, senior pastor for 18 years. And um, we have been balling on a budget the whole time. So we've been on a budget. That, that's, a, that's, that's a spending plan, you know what I mean? And so we live within certain guardrails or boundaries as a church. We set a budget every year. Uh, we do it looking very closely at previous year's revenues, making sure that we don't go crazy into forward forecasting and all that kind of stuff. We submit our budget to a board of directors. And so that has to be approved. And, and there are people that sit on that board that are, very skilled in money, very skilled in, in managing resources, very successful, but also have strong biblical values. Um, and so we've been doing that for a long, long time. We're also audited professionally. It's not just an internal, it's an external audit. And we've been doing that as long as I've been on staff. Uh, we have an external audit that's done annually. And they scrutinize things, make sure every kind of penny and, 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 and everything is allocated where it's supposed to be and we're above Bored and above reproach. But we did this last year just to kind of take it up a notch because I think that it communicates integrity if you're willing to be increasingly more transparent is we invited uh, another organization. It's called EFCA, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, if you're interested. And we submitted to them. And they, they, they kind of put an even higher standard on nonprofit religious organizations to um, live under certain criteria. They have seven kind of um, steps or pillars that the organizations can choose 
to submit to. And if they do, they'll give their stamp of approval. And that stamp of approval in our field or in our way, uh, way of doing things is, is seen with high regard. And so we submitted to that, and we passed that. And we, so we are EFCA approved. Some of you guys don't care about this, but for people that want to make um, kingdom investments, you want to know that the soil uh, that you're giving to is solid. It's healthy. And you want to know there's boundaries. You want to know that, like, it can't, you, you know, I can't just take all the money and run off to the Bahamas with, you know, with the secretary. Like, you hear these crazy stories. Uh, you know what I mean? My wife, my wife's in here. That was my wife, everybody, online. She's saying amen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of stuff, I don't even know how that could happen in our circumstances. You know, we have, like, purchase order, approval processes. I don't even sign things by myself. You know, you have two signatures on things. And it just there's a lot of things that we set ourselves up for high accountability. And I just thought you should know that, that when you give to an organization like this, you're actually, it's going through the hands of man, but it's being used for the purposes of God. But it's important that you know that things are handled well, and they have been for a long time. So hopefully that helps you. Another thing I thought I'd tell you is, uh, that's never happened here, again, if you're new to this, is we're not coming to you communicating need, need, need. You know, um, I'm never going to say something like, you know, if you don't, we won't. If you don't, we can't. Um, if you don't give, then, you know, the lights are going to shut off, the building's going to have to be sold, and I'm going to have to let Devin go, and things like that. Uh, well, I don't know. I thought about that a couple times. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's my son for all you Framingham online people. Uh, internal joke. Okay, so, but you're never going to hear that. So we're not communicating need. We're communicating vision because people don't want to give to a bill. People want to give to something that can happen or could happen. If we join forces and resources, what could we do for God? And so we communicate a lot of vision. And so this legacy series is fundamentally about vision. Can I have an amen? amen. And so when you give, this is how I look at it. And it sounds very financial, and I do have a financial mind. Um, and uh, I like numbers and stuff like that in a measure, in a measure, high-level numbers. Don't get me into the detail. I'm out. Um, but I believe that God basically looks at a pastor as a person who's supposed to steward the resources that have been entrusted and, in a sense, broker them to get the highest possible return in the kingdom of God for them. Okay, so, so I don't know if that makes sense to you, but basically the church is a great investment if you think of riches beyond the here and now. Most people are living for the dot and not for the line. They're living for this little life that they have, this little temporary assignment, but you don't realize that the things you do in this life will affect your rewards in the next life. And so I want to I help you invest in something that is eternal because when you cross that line to the next, from you go from the, the when to the then, the now to then, when you're in heaven one day, some of you are going to be surprised. You'll be like, I just barely got in. And, and others of you are going to be like, okay, where's my house? <laughs> where's my mansion? You know what I mean? And, and your rewards are determined then by what happens now. So I want to help you build a healthy, eternal retirement account. And legacy helps that become a reality. Is everybody with me right now? Okay, so legacy is, is another level of giving. 
Um, some of you, this is new, and, and, and so you, you, you just got to take your time. Don't like, I, I, one, I heard some stories about some people that knew the church, like, ah, you know, what should I give, what should I give, and uh, I want to do something. Just, just, just time out. Just sit under the word for a while. Make sure you understand something, that you, you understand the why behind the what. Okay, we don't want people guilt-giving and, and reactively giving and just kind of tipping God, and, and we don't want people just, um, God doesn't want it. He doesn't want you just scattering, you know, one day and the next, and then years go by before you do anything. God wants a, a committed, cheerful, not under compulsion, discipler, disciple who gives out of obedience to God and honors God because of what he says about giving. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And so, so just, just listen and sit under the word and, and understand some things before you kind of activate. We don't want you to just um, do something and then drop off, you know, uh, later. We want you to do something and continue to grow and see God change you from the inside out. So some of you, um, you know, need to understand that uh, giving above and beyond, that's like it's called an offering. And then the baseline is called the tithe, the tithe. The tithe is really referring to percentage giving. Percentage giving. What's cool in the Bible is God sets it up that we give as a percentage giver because then there's equal sacrifice and equal reward proportionate to what we have. 1 Corinthians 16.2 talks about that. And so you set aside a sum of money each week in relation to what you have received. And so my amount will be different than Devin's amount. My amount will be different than your amount. Uh, but, but my amount is proportionate to what I have, and your amount is proportionate to what you have. God set it up that we percentage givers, and the standard that he had in his word was 10%. Some of you, that's just like mind-blowing to be able to do that. But I would encourage you, that's probably your first step to do that from your heart, out of obedience to God, return to him what he asked for you to return to him. But giving actually, believe it or not, it starts after that. That's like the baseline, but above and beyond that is what we call an offering. And so on December 1st, we're taking an offering. And an offering, uh, we're calling it the legacy offering. And this offering uh, is, is a way to bring something sacrificial. Most people in our country, because of the, um, uh, the, the, the consumption side and, and, and then the other side, you know, uh, we just have this just abundance side. We don't ever know what it's like to do something sacrificial. And we therefore don't see the rewards of something sacrificial. And so every now and then we think it's healthy for a church to kind of stretch your faith, to kind of stretch your, you know, this is more about faith than funds is what I've been saying. When you give sacrificially, it doesn't, it's just not about getting more funds. It's about getting more faith into your soul. And I would say to you, the fact that there's an inherent resistance to that, there's a proportionate reward when you, when you follow through or you stretch in that particular area. Does that make sense? And so there's no other area to really build your faith. Very few like giving. Giving stretches you. Giving increases uh, your dependence upon God. And some of you are called to make a big difference with your resources. And I, I used to be afraid to say what I'm going to say, but some, some of you make big money because you're supposed to be a big giver. That's the reason. You're not supposed to make big money so you can just build your kingdom. You're, you're, the reason you're making big money isn't so you can build a big kingdom. Your kingdom won't last according to the word of God. It's corruptible. And so you can have those things, and God has no problem with you having those things. He just wants to make sure they don't have you. And the best way or the cure for it not having you is to be a big giver at the same time. Amen? 
I'm asking God to continue to bless me supernaturally so I can continue to be kind of a radical giver. And, and so my job really is to remind you from time to time uh, that, that this life, you know, and living for this whole thing uh, can, can take you down. In fact, in 2 Timothy 6, it's not in your notes, verse 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world, which, by the way, we qualify for that, all of us, not to be arrogant... Don't think you're all that in a bag of chips. That's my translation. Nor to put their hope in wealth. So a lot of people, because I have a lot, find their hope or their trust or their confidence in how much they have in their savings account or how much equity is in their home or how much they have in their retirement plan. The Bible's saying, don't put your hope in that. It says, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God. Everybody say, my hope should be in God. So, so one of the ways to change that equation so that it's not flipped upside down or, or out of order is through giving. He says, who richly provides us, who does, he does, with everything for our enjoyment. So just to be clear, God doesn't mind you having a blast. Go to the, go to the Patriots game. Uh, go, go on vacations. Buy a nice home. Have a nice car. He's okay with that. Just make sure it's not out of balance. How do you know it's not out of balance? Because you're generous. You're generous. And so it says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. I love this line that says, and willing to share. Some of you will share, but you have to almost be arm wrestled to do it. God's saying, no, I don't want obedience. I want willingness. I don't want you to be, okay, I'll give to the legacy offering next week. For the love of Pete, will you stop talking about it if I do? No, he wants, you to be, he wants you to be excited about that. Like, next week is going to be more of a worship experience than a business transaction. Amen. In Jesus' name. I confess that over this entire audience. So December 1st, next week, everybody say next week. Next week. That's our legacy offering, okay? Again, one time a year. You're not going to... We haven't had one offering this entire year. It's just going to be next week, okay? And so if you're giving online, you can do that online. If you're on the line cam online campus, you'll be able to give next week during the worship experience and join us in that experience. But here, we're going we're gonna to give physically during that time. So I'm asking everybody to bring in, you know, wheelbarrows of cash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding, okay? Jewelry, you know, uh, expensive watches. No, 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 no. None of that stuff, Okay. But, but if, you're a, if you're an old school person, a check, you write checks. For some of you young people, that's these little blue things. You sign your name on the bottom. It's like, you know, whatever. You guys, anyway, I could go off on how they pay for their things now. But uh, you can write a check, and you can put it in the envelope. We have a specific envelope for this. If you're an online giver like me, I'm an online recurring giver because I just set it up because I want my first fruits to go to God. So the first of every month, our giving just goes automatically to connect. It's the first bill we pay. In a sense, it's not a bill, it's, but it's worship for us, but it's the first thing we do. I want to make sure God knows he's first, so on the first day of every month, it goes to him, and it's automatic. But on that day, it's an above and beyond, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay online because I do everything online, but I'm going to fill out an envelope saying, this is what I did for the legacy offering. And during the service, we'll actually, during a worship song, put our commitments into like an offering um, we'll put the connection boxes up here and people, heads of household, or maybe you want to come down with your spouse, we'll all get out of our seat and we'll give an offering. It'll be part of worship. Is everybody with me right now? It should be one time. See, I, I know some of you might be uncomfortable about that. That's why we don't do it all the time. But this is special. This is special. 
100% of this offering is going to vision, which I've communicated for several weeks now. It's going to local, uh, domestic, and international missions. And I've highlighted several of our partners that we go deep and long with that are making a huge difference for the kingdom. And then we got areas like leadership development. There's no way we can continue to reach people if we're not developing people and discipling people. And then we have projects. There's just some things because of a growing ministry that we have. Our online campus, you guys are watching right now, that's been funded out of the budget uh, and out of the ministry and out of people who've given to Legacy for that to be a reality, for you guys to be watching and listening right now. It would not be possible if people weren't giving above and beyond. Uh, there are many other things that God wants to do through the local church and many projects connected with. That's where this, we're going to accomplish all of those things if you don't give, but we're just going to be able to put the pedal to the metal and accelerate the vision if you do. So it's just vision. Isn't that an exciting thing to give to? I'm not saying, you know, it's, I just think it's great to be able to give to something like that. Amen? So I want you to pray. I want you to plan, figure out how you're going to do it. I want you to participate. I, I just believe, I believe most of you, if you pray about it, God's going to talk to you about participating. Some of you, maybe you can't. You're in a difficult season. I believe if you could, you would. Someday you will, and you probably have in the past, so thank you very much. Amen? Amen. And I'll just say one more thing. My wife and I are lead from the front in this. And so we're not going to ask you to do something that we wouldn't do ourselves. And so we've already prayed, heard from God. We know what we're going to do. And we'll, we'll be leading from the front on that. So we'll lead the charge, but I need you to get involved as well. We can't do this without everybody making this happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. So get your worship guides out. You, could you handle those preachy announcements right there? Can you handle that? All right. Five people who thought it was good. Amen. <laughs> All right, um, get your worship guide out. We're going to continue the series, the Legacy Series. This is part three, and I'm going to do this in about 18 minutes. And uh, this is, I've been kind of telling stories, really all connected to a certain season uh, in the Bible, connect, right around Jesus, just before Jesus' death. Interesting, uh, kind of, that I said the word death. So I'm going to open with this really gloomy verse, but let me try to unpack it for you, okay? Hebrews 9.27. Uh, if you brought a guest today, I apologize in advance. Listen to this. It says, and just as each person is destined to die <laughs> once, and after that comes the judgment. Thank you very much for that scripture, Pastor Derek. I brought a friend. <laughs> awesome. Here's what that's saying. That's saying in Massachusetts, there's a 100% mortality rate. Turn to your neighbor and say, you all going to die. You all going to die one day, okay? You all going to die one day, all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is one uplifting church. Okay. So assuming you know God, assuming you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're going to get to heaven one day. Uh, that, that's, 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 that's the opportunity that's available to all of us. We're all, his, we're all his creation. We have to choose to be his child. We do that by accepting what Jesus did for us on Calvary 2,000 years ago. But once we get there, then what happens? Now what? What, is, there, is that the only judgment? And we'll talk about kind of two judgments in a little bit. People want to know what then. How do I prepare for then, you know? My friend, uh, Randy Bissett, he's one of the funniest people on the planet. He's a Cajun from Louisiana. He always tells these Boudreaux Thibodeau jokes, and I'm not even going to try to do it the way he does because he has, he has that Cajun accent. And he was telling this story about Boudreaux and Thibodeau, which is a very common name in, in Louisiana. And Boudreaux and Thibodeau, they go, out, they go out hunting, yeah? And when they're out there hunting, Boudreaux's looking to his left to shoot, to shoot his gun, and all of a sudden he hears... He didn't even shoot it, but he heard it. It sounded like a bang, but it was Thibodeau falling down on the ground. He turns around and goes, Thibodeau, Thibodeau, what's the matter with you? And Thibodeau's not responding. He's freaking out. He's trying to, Thibodeau, Thibodeau, wake up, wake up, wake up. What's the matter with you, eh? And nothing's happening. 
So he's freaked out. He calls. He gets on his cell phone. He calls 911. 911, can I help you? He says, yeah, yeah, my, my friend Thibodeau, he, he looked like he dead. So calm down, sir, calm down, sir. Are you sure he's dead? I, I don't know, I don't know. He goes, well, you got to check. Make sure he's dead. He goes, okay, hold on a second. Puts the phone down. Long silence. All of a sudden you hear, pow, pow. Gets back on the phone. Yeah, he's dead now. Now what? <laughs> I want to make sure that you're ready before that. Okay, that's why Psalm 39, that's funny, I don't care what you say. Psalm, Psalm 39, verse 4, it says this. Watch, watch this, okay? Everybody, even online, pay attention, okay? It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth is. It will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. See, days are just fleeing away. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Our life is just a brief moment compared to eternity contrasted to the dot, contrasted to the line, but most people are just living for this little, this little dot. When you die, which you will, 100% chance that's going to happen, what are people going to say when you die? Like Thanksgiving's coming up, we're all going to be grateful, we're all going to be, you know, everybody's around the Thanksgiving table one year and you're not there one year. And everybody's eating their turkey and their, and their gravy and, and their dressing and their cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie. Sorry, sorry, I got distracted. Uh, <laughs> And what are they going to say about you around the Thanksgiving table? What are they going to say? What will your tombstone say? What will your epitaph of your life be? Will it, just, will it, will it have a story that is continuing, or did it just end when you ended? I heard, I heard one guy, he went into a graveyard, and he was looking at all the, uh, the, the, the gravestones. <laughs> it's so funny. One of them said, he looked at it up close, and it was in quotes, and said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> that is so freaking funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, your life, your life has got a message to it. Will it live on? Will the story continue? Here's your big idea. Write this down. Our giving impacts eternity. Our giving impacts eternity. We're going to look at two texts of scripture, there's actually three that tell this story. This particular story we're going to talk about gets a lot of airplay in the, in the New Testament, but we're going to look at John 12, we're going to look at Mark chapter 14, and this is a story of extravagant love. It's a story that should affect you at a heart level, but, but I, I want you to know this doesn't apply, this is my, my, my current status, is that I'm more aware today of what I'm leaving than what I'm starting. Like, I'm still going to start some stuff. Like, I'm, I'm only 50-something years old. And, um, but I, I'm planning on doing some more things. But I'm also thinking about, like, what's going to be left? What's the story? What will people say? What will people say about Derek Fry? What will my legacy be? That's why I'm so grateful for Connect. Because I think Connect gives me the ability, and you too, the ability for your story to continue. And the things that you do in this life, specific to your resources, your resources are influenced by your self-control and by your priorities. So your ability to say no and steward things and, and hold things in check and your priorities determine what happens with your resources. Is everybody with me? And so I think the local church should be, if not here somewhere, one of your priorities because it has, it's an eternal investment. It's a great investment. God, God's smart with money. 
God's smart with money. He said, you know, make sure you don't do things that just lay up for treasures in this life where moth and rust doth, you never say that word except in the King James, doth corrupt. Okay? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Okay, that where those things can't happen, there's no erosion or corrosion from those things. So I want to share a story about two hearts, two different people, two different paradigms. One person's story ended, another person's story went on and on and on because of an extravagant gift, because of a sacrificial offering. John chapter 12, follow with me. This is right before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, which I think the timing is pretty key. And it says in verse 1, Six days before the Passover, Jesus comes to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Some of you probably know this story, but if you don't, there was a guy, and, he, and Jesus raised him from the dead. And he was dead four days. We're not talking about like, I saw a light, and then I came back. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. He was gone for a while. He, he, he stinketh before he came backeth, Okay. All right, so that's, that's that story. And then it says, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So Jesus was such a cool cat that everybody wanted him to come over. I think that's neat. I think people look at religion and associate that with Jesus, and following Jesus is boring as, like, I'd rather go to church or uh, follow Jesus. I'd, I'd rather have a root canal than do, the, than do that. I think people look at religion, and they look at Christianity, and they look at being a follower of Christ that way. But Jesus was cool. Jesus connected with people. Jesus was socializing. Jesus was with people, having, having parties with people, and gathering with people, and fellowshipping with people. I just love that about him. Amen. And it says, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Now, if, if, you, if you came back from the dead, like, you can just lie down wherever you want. It says he's just, he's just lying down, reclining at, he's just reclining at the table. You know, he just plops down on the bench. Like, Lazarus, he was here. He, there's certain privileges when you come back from the dead. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, he could just lie down right here if he wanted to if he was in church. Nobody would say anything because that dude came back from the dead. All right. Then there's like a story shift here. It says, right in verse 3, it says, Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, depending on your translation, it says from an alabaster box or jar, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, I just want to pause and time out for a financial interruption. I did the background on this perfume. This perfume had a cash equivalency then of 300 denarii. Today, translated in U.S. dollars, would be around $54,000. Because back then, it was really hard to get perfume. You had to go way up into the Himalayan mountains. And so the value of it was determined by the location of it. Today, we don't have that problem because we have easy access and, you know, we, we've, got, we've got FedEx, okay? And so it's easy, right? Back then, there was no such thing. So this was extremely extravagant, what she did, what she did. And she takes this perfume, and she pours it on his feet. She begins to wipe it with her hair. And what happens is amazing. It says, and the house was filled with a fragrant perfume. But, dun-dun-dun, music changed. One of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who is later to betray him, objected. So it's interesting that Judas later who betrayed Jesus, listen, 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 maybe some things in his heart, if they were in a better condition, would have never got to the place where 
he betrayed him ultimately. Maybe the reason Judas betrayed him is because money controlled him. He, he, he'd already betrayed him in his heart, and then he betrayed him out loud. Why wasn't, he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Initially, he sounds like a humanitarian who really cares about people and who really cares about the poor. But that wasn't the case. He says, it was worth a, a year's wages. So he's all fired up about, he's thinking this is wasteful. And then look at what happens. It says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. He was cold busted by the Bible. How many know that's high level when you're busted and called out by the Bible? Like, I've gotten in trouble before, but nobody called me out in the Bible. That's like next level busted, okay? So Judas appears to be humanitarian. He's a thief. He's not just a thief. He goes and takes money out of the people's giving to God. Wow. I think because he had that in his heart, he could do some of the things that he did. Now, shift to the other text, Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 6. It says this. Jesus comes in. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. You think she's done a wasteful thing, Judas, but actually she's done a beautiful thing. Jesus intersects, interrupts, interjects himself in the situation, not as like cool as a cucumber guy, not like walking on water guy, not like, you know, floating, you know, on the clouds, Jesus, not like docile Jesus. I think people just don't realize Jesus can get fired up once in a while. I think people just think that the light's always on Jesus and he's just, you know, talking just real kindly and there's like a lamb goes by, you know, and it's just everything's just all just real soft and sweet. No, no, no. He's like, back off. Back off. He's fired up about what's, what's about to transpire. He's, he's making sure that she, Judas, you have a betrayal aroma. She has a beautiful aroma. Your, your religion stinks. Her worship is attractive to me. Her worship's attractive to me. And he says, leave her alone. Her brokenness is a beautiful thing to me. And then it goes on to say, the poor you will always have with you, and, and you can help them anytime you want. So she's prioritizing, but you will not always have me. She notices that, and the Bible says she did what she could. Everybody say that. She did what she could. This is my prayer for our legacy offering, that people would just come to a place where you just do what you can. Just do what you can. Do what, it, do what you are capable to, of doing. They, I think sometimes that I believe there'll be a, that's my prayer, that there'll be a group of people that would do what they can, that they look at their life and what God has given them. They look at the love they've been given. Look at the redemption that they have received. They look at the grace and mercy through difficult situations. They look at the privileged environment and the time and the season in human history in which they live, and you just do what you can. You just do what you can. You honor God. The Bible says, Jesus speaking about her says this. Truly, I tell you, he's saying to this woman, because of your beautiful aroma, he said, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Anytime, in other words, you hear the gospel, anytime the word of God is open, it's going to tell her story. It's going to tell her story. This sacrifice, this offering, this extravagant gift opened up an eternal story that is being told to this day. This was incredible love. Have you ever been loved like over the top before by someone? 
If you haven't, I pray that for you. I remember when my wife years ago, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm kind of retired now, but, but I used to be an active basketball player, a baller. I love basketball. I still love basketball. I coach my son all the way through to high school. Uh, I just love basketball. But, but not so much now because my feet are planted on a firm foundation, everybody, and I can't get off the ground like I once did. But anyway... <laughs> But I can, I can remember, like, that was something I would love ever since I was married. And so one year for my 40th baby, she rents the whole gym. Like, it had everything. It had swimming pool, jacuzzi. I could lift weights. I could eat chicken wings. I could play basketball. It didn't matter. All my friends there, it was like the great, just, it was like the greatest. I was loved over the top. I can remember uh, reversing this for my wife one year for our anniversary. I, I surprised her, and I took her on a, a, a surprise cruise to the Caribbean. She didn't know it was coming. I had my assistant, Gretchen, pack her clothes for her without her knowing it. How many know you got to trust your assistant if you do something like that? Because that could backfire on you real bad, okay? Everybody online, don't do that, Okay. But anyway, I had that much confidence. But and then we get we get in the car and we go to the airport. I didn't even tell her until we got on the plane where we were going. We were going on a cruise. It was it was just love over the top. It's amazing. And that's what the Bible says that this woman did. She gave from, she gave sacrificially. She gave something that was so costly to her. I think that's what extravagant love is like. It's so, it's so powerful. It's the nature of generosity. I think when you love something so much, you have to do something. I think when you love something so much, you just have to do something. For God so, I like to extend that so. He so loved the world. What did he do? He gave. What did he give? The thing that was most precious to him, his son. See, when you love something so much, I think, I think you have to do something. What is, what is my love for the world? What is my love for the things of God, the kingdom of God? What is your love for the world? You know, years ago when we were in college, this is a long time ago, but I remember when Stacy and I, we were kind of pre-dating. You know, it's like I, we were dating, but I was, I was in love and she was in like. <laughs> I, want, I wish back then you could do like Bruce Almighty couldn't even do it. But I wish you could love me, you know what I mean? I was just like, love me. But anyway, I can remember she had this project, you know, and, 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 and she, could, she was all stressed out about it. And, and late one night, she's like, I don't know when I can do it. And we had a class like the next morning early. And I'm like, baby, you just give me, you just give me that, you know. Because uh, I loved her so much. I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something because she was in like and I was in love and I wanted her to change. <laughs> and so she gave me the project and I, I acted like I had like craftsman skills. And everybody knows that knows me now. I don't have any craftsman skills, okay? But because of love, I figured it out. I figured it out. I was up all night long making this house for her class and had like levels on it and special rooms to it. I was up all night. She didn't know that, but I loved much. That's why I had to do something. I had to do something. I couldn't wait till the next morning to go, here you go. This could be our house one day. <laughs> 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 but, I, but I gave her that, and she, she was so grateful for that. And she told every, she's told people that so many times. That giving is still living. That's what happens when you do something sacrificial. When you love much, you do something. And when you give like that, it still lives on. Is everybody with me? And so that's what, that's what this woman did. This Mary, she just did something. Nobody. Judas had it all wrong. Judas, write this down. Judas was a control freak. He was a controller. 
He's trying to control everything. That's what people do with their resources. You don't have Jesus on the throne of your resources. You're on the throne. God wants you to release that. Judas was a controller, and because of that, his story, his story ended. He was a complainer. He was really a crybaby. You know, I can't believe she would do that. Doesn't she know that's worth a year's wages? And one other translation, it says they were all talking. You know, they were like throwing hate on her and just a bunch of haterade going on her. You know, everybody, you know, can't believe that. I can't believe she would do that. There's just rumors, 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 complaining. And he was also a consumer. And sometimes God gives you seed, not to eat the seed, but to plant it. He was a consumer. All he was doing was fending for himself. It was selfishness that was driving him. Selfishness is a disease that can get a hold of us if we're not careful. The me, myself, and I disease, the appetites of the flesh, the personal desires. And when that happens, your story ends. Look at Judas and the end of his story. Follow it. Read it. Look, up, look it up in the Bible. But Mary's decisions were different. Everybody say Mary. Decisions were different. Before her reward, look at how she was. Number one, she was caring. She was caring. She noticed what other people didn't notice. She could see what other people couldn't see. She leans into things other people couldn't see. She was aware of the context of what was happening with Christ. She knew that the hour was upon him, that he, it was, she, was, she was preparing him for, her, for his burial without, without even knowing it. She could see and sense the urgency of what was going on. She made him a priority, even more than the poor. She made Jesus a priority, and the things that are important to Jesus, we should make a priority too. She was a contributor also. She dug deep into her personal life. What do I have of value? What do I have that would cost me something that I could bring? And she brought perfume of value of over $50,000 today. I think that is pretty, pretty extravagant. She doesn't cling to things. See, a lot of us have things, and they have us, too. They're, they're so attached to us. I think about that sometimes. I love, my, I love my car. I love my Kia Sorento. Come on, somebody. I love my Kia Sorento. But, you know, if God told me to give it up, I'll give it up. You have to sometimes ask yourself those questions. Uh, she, was, she was a contributor. She was also creative. She, look at how she gave. It was worshipful. She got the attention of the room and changed the atmosphere of the room through worship. Amazing. And because of that, her generosity and her experience opened the door for the gospel to go around the world. She worshiped Jesus with her time, with her talent, and also with her treasure. And because she worshiped Jesus like that, Jesus backed her up. See, some of us need God to back us up in difficult situations, but we're not presenting to Him what we have, we're not doing what we can. We're not trusting him with our resources. See, in the book of Malachi, when it comes to your money, the Bible says that basically if you do what God says, that he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. He'll open up the windows of heaven for your sake. Uh, you, you see many times where Jesus stands up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. In the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 55, there's a disciple that we don't talk about very much. His name was Stephen, and he was defending the faith at the expense of his own life. And as he's sharing his faith, the Holy Spirit was shining upon him. And he wouldn't charge the sins of these people and said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing, just like Jesus did. And the Bible says God was sitting up in heaven on his throne. And Jesus, on the right hand of God, stood up for Stephen. And I, I, I just think that God stands up for people who stand up for him. Are you with me, everybody? 
Jesus stands up for this woman, this extravagant gift. Back off. You don't understand. This woman's story will be told forever because of what she's done. It's perpetuated the gospel. When you're like this, you outlive yourself and you impact people for the cause of Christ. And God will stand up for you. I'll close with this story. I, I'm a jet blue junkie. I love JetBlue. Come on online. You know, JetBlue is a great airline, and they're going to London soon. Praise God. Anyway, uh, I just know all these things. But I can remember I was on my way to the airport one time, and I was actually going to Montana. There was one flight to get me where I needed to go on time, and there was an accident on the way. I was going to miss my flight. I was freaking out. And so I'm calling ahead, trying to find out. I get to the airport. You know what it's like. It's crazy. The whole world is there. It's a Monday, busy business day. And I'm in line, and I'm trying to be nice and ask people if I can get ahead. Because I, you know how you do that? You, like, ask people, you know, I got a flight. They're like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Yeah, whatever, buddy. You know, and like, they're, I'm like, my, how, when's your flight? My flight's like in 20 minutes. My flight's like in 17 minutes. They're like, ha, ha, good luck. You know, and they're laughing. So I, I had no choice. I had to wait through the line. These people are just very difficult. So I finally get up to the top. It's about 15 minutes before the doors close. How many know technically over? Ten minutes before is a federal law. They shut the doors. I hand my boarding pass. I hand my license to the, to the guy at, the, at the, um, the desk. And I said, I'm at the mercy of the court. Are there any other flights going out today? They said, no, I'm sorry, sir. We're going to have to book you tomorrow. I'm like, oh, man. Okay, whatever. And all of a sudden, behind him is another dude. I'm just going to call him the boss man. He says, is your name Derek Fry? I said, yes. I was, like, scared. I thought I was in trouble. I'm like, did I do something wrong? Yes. He goes, sir, why don't you follow me? He comes out from behind the counter, and we start walking. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? He's just follow me, sir. Just follow me. Bring your bags with you. All of a sudden, another guy comes up. He's taking my bags. He's calling ahead. Uh, security. We're going to need clearance. Security. We need clearance. And then we get through we, we, massive lines. All these people that were making fun of me. I'm like, what's up? What's up, sucker fool? <laughs> I'm going through security. I look like VIP. I'm like, who, everybody's looking like, who's that guy? Who's that guy? Who's that guy? I'm an important person. I'm a very important person. That's who I am. I'm coming around. There's somebody waiting for me at the bottom because the door's about to close. Don't worry about it, sir. Just take your time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like OJ Simpson running. Never mind. I shouldn't say that one. But I'm like running. I'm running. That's old. That was an old example. After, like, no, no, no. You don't have to run. You don't have to run. We got you, sir. I get to the gate. The door's about to close. The guy's like this. The guy that I'm with waves him off. I'm like, yeah, you know what's up, you know. Get out of my way. I, he walks me to the plane. I sit first row, first seat, first class. And I stand up and I look at everybody. I go, what you see now? What you see now, everybody? Thank you very much. You know, and I sit down. Now, I'm the same guy 30 minutes, 20 minutes before that I was when I was sitting on that plane. But because of who I was with and who would back me up, everything changed. And Jesus wants to back you up. Jesus will stand for you when you stand for him. And when you bring a sacrificial gift, when you're willing to be vested in what is important to him, he'll make sure your story lives on. He'll make sure to stand up for you and take care of you. Can I have an amen, everybody? So listen, I want you to stand to your feet because I want to encourage you with this closing thought. Just look at me. Online campus, please listen to this too and connect with this, okay? What you do now is going to determine your rewards later. And I've made it clear multiple times. We're going to stand before God one day. And you're, you're you, you know, think about the kind of rewards you want to live for. 
Some people can live for the Heisman and think that's the greatest. Cy Young Award. Maybe a Nobel Peace Prize. But man, think about this woman's reward. As long as the gospel is preached, my gosh, this woman's story will continue because of her gift. What could you do for God? What could you do for God? With every head bowed, every eye closed. You have a chance in this life to do some things that can make a difference. If you're a Christ follower today, I just want to ask you again, please pray. Next week's a big, big week at Connect. I hope everybody's here. Don't miss, don't miss a powerful moment. But maybe you're here today and you're far from God. You're disconnected. You know what? This giving thing doesn't make sense. It actually doesn't work until you first give yourself. You actually can't give right. You actually can't see some of the things that God's trying to help you see until you first give yourself to God. I used to think about, what do I give my grandmother for Christmas? She has everything. I'd ask her. I'd say, Grammy, what can I give you? She said, I don't need anything. I just want you. The only thing you can give God is you. That's your first gift. Give yourself to God. If you've never given yourself to God and you're listening online, this is your chance to respond. If you're here today in this room, it's, it's not by accident. This is your chance to respond to God. If you've never given yourself to God fully, that's your first action. I want to give you that chance. And the way you can do that is by saying yes to God with every head bowed, every eye closed. But I'm going to ask you to boldly just raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Derek. Go ahead and raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I want to make sure that I'm, I've given myself to God. Thank you for the hands all over the place. Those of you online, there's a little button. You can click that. And you can just raise your hand right there. You respond right now. All over this room, people are lifting their hands. I, I, the Bible says, I wish that all men would lift up holy hands to me. God wants you to say yes to him. Now you can put your hands down. I want to pray for you. It's amazing. Church, would you join me? And those of you online, would you join me as well? Everybody just join, especially those that raise their hands. Say, Jesus, my first action is to give myself to God. Whether it's for the first time or to do it again, I give myself fully to you. I want to be today a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ because he fully gave himself for me. Father, I thank you that by grace through faith, I am now saved in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person who prayed that prayer. Seal that prayer to the day of redemption. Lord, I pray for every person who is seeking you, God, that you would speak to them, that you would show them your will and your purposes for their life. Thank you for your word, which is incorruptible and life-changing and life-transforming. We are so grateful as we approach this Thanksgiving season. We're so grateful for the things that you have done and the things you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and all the church said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen, come on.